really bad that I was uh, complaining and, and moaning and groaning about having to do a week of camp because always, every year when I get there, it's a joy to see those kids and it's a joy to see them grow in, in, in their knowledge and faith in the Lord. Uh, middle school kids can sometimes be a challenge, but I have to tell you, um, there were only 11 there. I wish that there were three times that many, but when there's only 11 of them there, it's, it, it's hard to get worn out. It's hard to, uh, uh, to get overwhelmed by that. But we had a great week of camp. If you follow me on Facebook, you'll see that we had uh, one young man that was baptized into Christ. There's another young man that uh, is, is looking to make a decision for Christ. And I, when I talked to his parents uh, Friday morning, they were, they were really wanting to be a part of that experience with them. And uh, they actually live here in Tallahassee. They don't have a church home, so uh, maybe it's an opportunity for us to invite a family here, and they'll be able to grow and learn more. But I, I really enjoyed that time. The theme of our week of camp was um, the, the joy of the Lord is our strength, and that's what we're talking about this morning is strength. Now, I don't want you to think that, that this morning, because Alan just got done with middle school camp, that what you're going to be hearing is a middle school sermon. Um, I, I, I hope not, because I'd, I'd prepared this one before. Um, we are still in the book of Colossians. We're actually in chapter 2. But we are talking about the strength of a church. And I want you to know um, that the words that I have this morning are not an indictment on this church. I don't want you to think like, oh, wow, Alan's coming down on us about something really hard here. No, that's not the case. I have a good friend of mine whose son is a, uh, he graduated from, uh, let's see, Georgia State University. That's not the Bulldogs, but it's the other one that's in Atlanta. And he has a degree in physical fitness. I didn't know you could get a degree in physical fitness, but this guy could lift a house. I mean, he's one of these guys that's just pumping iron all the time. And his legs are like the size of my waist, and his arms are the size of my legs. And this guy is just a beast. I mean, he can lift all. And here's what I've learned uh, from him and some others that I know, is that when they start um, working out and they start getting strong, you know what's on their mind? How much stronger they can get. Uh, how, how much more strength can they build? And that's, that's something that's on their mind. Most of the time, uh, if, you're, if you're like me, if you're not working out and you're not doing anything to get strong, your strength is the last thing on your mind. So this isn't a sermon uh, this morning. We are going to be talking about the strength of, of, of a church, and we're going to be talking specifically about the strength of Capital City Christian Church. So I want you to think about, for just a moment, um, do you see this church, do you see Capital City Christian Church as a strong and vibrant body of Christ uh, working to seek and save the lost? Or do you see this church as maybe having some challenges and, and maybe there's some areas that, uh, of, of growth that have been difficult for us and, and, and trying to overcome? And, and as you ponder the question, where are we as a church? When you ponder the question, are, are, are we a strong church, or where are we on, the, on a scale of strength? When you, when you, when you think about that, I, I want you to also ask yourself, what kind of criteria are you basing your conclusion on? I mean, what, what made you come up uh, with that answer on, on the strength of a church or the strength of this church? How, how do you know if a church is a, is a strong church? How do you know if a, if a church uh, has strength within its walls? And is, is it a numbers thing? Is it looking out and seeing the attendance? Is it a, is it a financial thing? Do you look at the, at the bottom line on the offerings? And are you meeting budget? Are you not meeting budget? Is, is it one of those things that may be, may be important, but also may be on a, on a very superficial level sometimes? It may be a, a, a result, maybe not a cause for strength. What is it that you're looking at that, that would be an indication 
vision uh, of the strength of a church. And I, and I hope this morning that we might unpack some things that might be some other indicators of strength in the church. Those things aren't, aren't unimportant, but they might not be the first things we need to look at. Author John Eldridge has a book titled Wild at Heart. And, and, and you'll notice in your bulletin that's the title of my sermon this morning, Wild at Heart. And, and John Eldridge's premise in this book is that the strength of a young man or even a boy is determined by how his father taught him at an early age the strength that is within him. And this isn't to say that young ladies don't have a strength in them, but it was just looking around uh, churches and the body of Christ and looking at men in the church. And, and when John Eldridge first wrote this book, he said when he looked around at men in the church, what most of the men that were, that were attending church looked bored more than anything else. And he just wondered, where is, the, where is the enthusiasm and where is the strength that is inside each and every man? And he said it was up to fathers to teach them. He encourages fathers to teach their sons to discipline their strength when they are young. And, and that wasn't just a physical strength. It was a, 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 a spiritual strength and a mental strength. There is a strength within men. There's a strength within young boys. You know, have you ever seen the, the, the young boy that's, that's maybe arm wrestling with a dad? Or maybe they're down on the, on the carpeted floor and they're wrestling around. Maybe they're out there on that basketball court. Dads, do you ever remember that time when, when, when your son kind of schooled you on the basketball court? <laughs> you know, that time when you went, oh, wow, he does have some strength. That is an important time in the life of a young man for him to realize the strength that he has. And it's important in the life of the church for us to realize the same thing. So today as we're going to take a look at the strength of the church, we read in the book of Colossians, and, and we find out that Paul is, is very passionate about the church. The church is his love. And in Colossians chapter 2 and in verse 1, he says that he has been through this great struggle on behalf of the church. And that, that word struggle that he uses is, is a word that means agony. This isn't just, you know, uh, you know, something that's a little bit of annoying to him. This, this past week, I wore a pair of shoes at camp that aren't the shoes I normally wear, and I rubbed a blister between my pinky toe and my, my, I don't know what you call a toe next to your pinky toe, but there's a blister there. It's kind of annoying. That's not agony. That's just irritating, okay? Paul says he has this agony, this struggle for the church. He tells us in chapter 1, verse 29, that he labors hard for the church so that it might be strong. And so as we consider the strength of a church, as we consider the strength of this church, it begs the question, what, what is our mission? What is it that we are all about? What is it that we are doing? What, what are we trying to do? Why do we preach? Why do we have Bible studies? Why do we have life groups? Why do we have different ministries? Why do we want individuals to grow in their faith? And this morning we're going to look at three areas in, in Colossians chapter 2. Three areas when, which when they are strong, the church is going to be strong. And, and, and the numbers, whether it be the finances or the attendance, those things will come if these areas of growth are strong. And today as we look at these items, we need to ask ourselves, how, 
How are each one of us doing? Because here's the thing. When we talk about the church, we're not talking about the strength of the building, the strength of the pillars. It is my understanding when this building was built, um, Beverly Whitaker's late husband, Jim, said that if there was ever a big storm in Tallahassee, he's going to be around that pillar right there. There's about eight feet of concrete underneath that pillar. And he said, if there's a big storm in Tallahassee, this is where you're going to find me. I'm not talking about the strength of the building of the structure of this that we call Capital City Christian Church. I'm talking about the strength of its members. So when we talk about the strength of the church, we have to first look at the strength of each and every one of us individually. If we are weak in any of those areas, the church is not going to be strong. And so as we look at these three items, we're looking at the strength of the church, but we're looking at the strength of the individuals as well. So let's start in Colossians chapter 2, and I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 5. If you have your Bibles or a device with a Bible app on it, please follow along with me this morning. If you don't, the words are on the back wall, maybe? They, they are not on the back wall. You know why? Because somebody was at camp this week, and he didn't get the notes to the, to the secretary when he was supposed to. So you'll have to... Can we, are we going to be able to do that this morning? Are we going to be able to open our Bibles and actually follow along this morning? Is that going to be, nobody's going to walk out because of that? Okay, good. Whew. Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, it says this, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love. If you have your Bibles, underline that, that's, that, that verse 2. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may, be, they, they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. Verse 3, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. This was a problem in the Colossian church. What, what Paul was facing was, was people that were coming into the church and they were, they, they were, they were actually bringing in false doctrine and false teachings. And, and, and the people were, ha- were learning how to deal with that, how to, how to decipher what was sound doctrine and what was not. Verse 5, For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit, and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith is. In Christ is. So this morning as we look, we see the first uh, uh, mark of a strong church is this. Paul says that they are, they, they are strong in heart. They have a strong heart. You know, if you think about it, a person is only as strong as their heart is. And the same is true for a church. It is only as strong as the heart of that church. In verse 2, we are told that Paul has been working hard to the point of agony, so that the hearts of those in the church would be encouraged. That word encouraged literally means to come alongside of. And and because a person can be called alongside of someone for many purposes, this word sometimes has a wide range of meaning in the Greek, and we kind of have to use the context to know which is the correct translation there. In this context, well, let me say this first. It could mean to, uh, to summon or to appeal. It could mean to comfort or to exert or exhort or to encourage. And in the context that we find here in Colossians, it's translated strengthened. Why? Because we learn that the Colossians were inundated with this false teaching. And Paul's saying he wanted to encourage them. He wanted to strengthen them 
so that they would be able to withstand the false teaching that was, that, that, that was so much around them. And during the same time in the church, the New Testament, it had not been compiled into the text that we have today. So the main source for the authority of the church and the main source for the authority of biblical truth was the apostles. This is one of the reasons the false teachers were able to come in and get a, such a strong foothold. And, and Paul wanted the people to know that what they had been taught was truth. At, at the end of that verse that I just read, the end of that text in verse 5, he says, I am delighted to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. He's saying that's what's, that's what's getting you through this. That's what's allowing you to stand up to some of these false teachings. Now, now in God's Word, when, when, when used figuratively in the Bible, the word heart, when we talk about some, being at the heart of something or something that they know in their heart, is usually uh, more generally referring to um, the center of their life. In, in the Jewish culture, the, we, we kind of today think uh, that in our mind is where some of the thinking and processing, and, and if you wanted to know who a person is, you would want to know their mind. In the Jewish culture, that was their heart. We think of the heart as the seat of emotions. In the Jewish culture, the, the seat of the emotions was actually their, their loins, their stomach, um, their their stomachs. But the emotions respond to what goes in in the heart to what the mind perceives. And the way to control the emotions then is through the mind. And when the mind is filled with, with biblical truth, Paul would tell them, the emotions will then respond properly. So very often what we see in Scripture, the heart is where the feelings and faith come from based on what the mind is telling them. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23 says, Above all else... Above everything else, guard what? Guard your heart, for everything you do flows through it. You've heard the statement, uh, don't lose heart. Or you might hear somebody say this, the, the phrase, well, their heart really wasn't in it. And what's that saying to us? It's saying that, that, that when your heart is weak, we will be weak. I'm sure many of you know, and maybe you yourself have known, that when you have a, a heart condition... When somebody has a bad heart, they may look fine on the outside, but inside they, they are weakened to, to, the, to the point of not being able to do much physical activity. When their heart is weak, they're very limited on, on how far they can go. I remember a friend of mine years ago, he had open-heart surgery, and he went home from the hospital a few days later, and I went to go visit him, and he said, well, it's about the time for me to go check the mail. And I was like, well, okay. I didn't realize this was going to be, you know, like a 15-minute ordeal. It took him that long to get to the mailbox and back because when you have a heart condition, you are, you are, you are just physically weak. And when we lose heart spiritually, we will not be strong for the Lord. We will be spiritually weakened, spiritually beaten down, spiritually listless. Commentator William Barclay cites an example of uh, this encouragement, this coming alongside of, from a classical Greek that, that parallels its usage here. He says, There was a Greek regiment which had lost heart and was utterly dejected, and a general was sent uh, as a leader, excuse me, the general sent a leader who spoke words of encouragement. He came alongside the soldiers. He came alongside the ranks uh, and encouraging them, gave them encouraging words so that courage was reborn. 
And, and, and that body of dispirited men became fit for heroic action again. They were ready to fight. They were ready to, to continue the battle when, when somebody came alongside them and built them up, strengthened them, encouraged them. And it is Paul's prayer that the church be filled with that same kind of encouragement where we come alongside each other and, and, and we're filling each other up. The kind of courage that allows us to cope with any situation. Th this issue of the heart, you know, it really deals with an, an inner strength of a person, but it also can, can be the inner strength of a church as well. And here's the sad part. There are too many people and too many churches that look great on the outside, but if we were able to examine on the inside, they are weak and listless spiritually. A strong heart will take you places you never knew you could go. Where does that strength of heart come from? Well, if we look in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16, it says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being. Where does, our, where does the strength in our inner being come from? Where does the strength in our heart come from? Well, according to Ephesians, it comes from God and it comes from the Holy Spirit living within you. As we live by the Spirit, as we live uh, yielding our lives and our will to the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, we, we exercise those spiritual muscles in our heart. It grows stronger, Paul would say. But we also find that, his, that, that this heart strength that we're talking about also comes from each other. It comes from the Holy Spirit living in us, but it also comes from one another. Listen to what, he, what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 2. He says, We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service, in spreading the gospel of Christ, to do what? To strengthen and encourage you in your faith. Our hearts grow stronger when, when someone comes alongside of us and is encouraging us. And Paul says that, that that was Timothy that did that for the brethren there in Thessalonica. The second mark of a strong church is this. There is a strong bond of unity based on love. And that second part of that is, is, is crucial. A strong bond of unity not based on patriotism, not, not based on, well, we're from the same family, not, not based on, well, we work at the same place. It's a strong bond of unity based on love. I, I want to tell you this morning, it's not a mistake if you've heard me say over and over and over uh, things that reference us sharing the love of Christ and sharing love with one another. You know why? Because that is what the Bible talks so much about. What is the mark of a Christian? How will a world outside of us know that, that we are brothers and sisters in Christ, the Bible says, by how we treat one another, how we love one another. Love is so crucial. It's an issue that, that creates a strong heart. You, you realize that a strong heart deals with our inner strength, but unity deals with our, our outer strength. How do people around us know that this is a strong church? Well, one of the ways is that they can see the bond of unity that is based in God's love. Fervent love, that strong love, balances a strong mind and a strong heart because without love, what we have and what we do might be almost meaningless. If what we're doing, our preaching and our teaching and our outreach and our evangelism and our discipleship, if all of those things are done without love, and I'm not sure you can do those things without love. It would be called something else if we were. But if we are doing those things without love, it almost makes those things meaningless. Meaningless. 
For us to be able to maintain unity, we first must humble ourselves before God and each other. We have to understand that, that God desires us all to love each other and to grow together. I, I can't tell you, the last five or six years in this, in this church, it, it has been a beautiful thing to see the love of each other grow. That has been the thing that has been most on my heart in our prayer. Verse 2 of our text gives us a, a good picture when it says that our hearts are to be united together in love, it says there. Our King James Version says that our hearts are to be knitted together. It means the same thing, to unite or bring together. And this phrase explains this main idea of encouragement by, by further defining the strengthened heart is one filled with love. The same kind of unity is found in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 16. The same kind of unity is found in, in, in later on in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 19 where it's, des it's describing the various parts that make up the human body. The, 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 the church, the body of Christ, is, is, is described in the same way th that all of our parts of our body work together. It's a beautiful thing. When a person knits something together, they're usually uh, taking the materials that they are using and they're knitting them together to make something that is useful, something that is purposeful. And when our hearts are knitted together in love, we are valuable and useful in God's kingdom. This encouragement, the encouragement that the believers receive when they unite together in love, it, it gives them a, a richer and a fuller understanding of God's mystery in Christ, Paul would tell us. And when we can see Jesus active in the lives of those that we love, it, it helps us to be strengthened and encouraged. When, when we see that, 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 that somebody comes and encourages us, or when we see that we come along and encourage somebody else, and that strengthens our faith, that strengthens our heart, what does it make us want to do? Do it more. Do it again. But get this, a church that is not united in love is a church that will not be very strong. That's precisely why we are called to, to love one another. In Philippians chapter 2 and in verse 2, Paul says, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. In John chapter 13, when, when Jesus was, was washing the disciples' feet, he was trying to get his disciples to see that if, if, if an individual Christian does not show love towards his brothers and sisters in Christ, if he's not showing love to other Christians, then the world around us has no reason to be drawn to that. They have no re It's hypocrisy in their minds. If we're calling people to love one another and they look at the church and they don't see us loving one another, why in the world would they believe that love abounds? Loving someone is not defined by having warm feelings towards them, but it's by meeting their needs. It's an action long before it is an emotion. So when you are really loving somebody, sacrifice is involved, action is involved. So the strengthened heart is a heart that has learned to love. The third mark that Paul points out in this Colossians chapter 2 is this, the third mark of a strong church. A strong church has a strong understanding of God's Word. This is probably where every church, including us, are the weakest. It's probably the area most churches struggle with the most because the reason is because most Christians struggle with this the most. We do not have a strong understanding of God's Word, most of us. I remember back in, in 1987 when Donna and I first started Bible college, incoming freshmen 
had to take a Bible comprehension exam. Now, it wasn't like a, you got to pass this test to be, you know, to, to, to get accepted into the college. It wasn't that at all. They were, get, they were wanting to take uh, this, this Bible comprehension exam, give it to us, to kind of be a benchmark, because they were going to give that same test to us when we graduated. And they wanted to see, okay, are they learning anything in the four years they were there, or in my case, the five years I was there. In the case of others, maybe longer than that, that they were there. Are they learning? Are they, is there a better understanding of God's Word because of their time spent there? I wonder sometimes if that ought not to be something that we consider to do as Christians. When somebody makes a decision to follow Christ, we give them a, a Bible comprehension exam. Not to say that they are in, in the Lord's house or not, or in the Lord's family or not. Of course they are. But, but to be a benchmark, and then five years or ten years or something, are they growing? Are, are they are they? Growing in their understanding of God's Word. When we make a decision to follow Christ, we, it's not a pass or fail, but we should be growing in our understanding. That was what Paul's desire. For, and, and Paul points out to the Colossians that that, that was some, again, he's, that encouragement comes out because he tells them, I, 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 I praise God because you are firm in your faith in Christ Jesus. But Paul speaks of wanting us to attain all of the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding. What we need to understand is that this means that, that spiritual riches do come when we understand and when we put it into practice. We can't just have head knowledge. It has to somehow transform into how we live. Paul suggests that there is a spiritual blessing that comes with the understanding of God's Word. There's, there's no understanding of God apart from Christ. There is no complete understanding of God apart from a personal relationship with His Son, Jesus. But that should, that should compel us, that should motivate us to learn more about His Word and have a better understanding of that. And Paul desires that the Colossians also experience all the wealth that comes from that full assurance. Because without that assurance, believers cannot enjoy all the blessings that are theirs in Christ. For example, no one can look forward with hope to the blessings of heaven if they don't understand or if they're not even sure if heaven awaits them. You have to have the, the understanding of God's Word to be able to have the full assurance of God's Word. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 10 says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. In other words, we are going to be stronger as believers if we confirm our calling by continuing to better understand God's Word, that means we have to be in it. That means we have to be studying it, reading it, memorizing it. When you understand something, you can apply it. You can't apply something you don't understand. When we experience spiritual truth by living it, that means that we truly understand it. Many people struggle because they fail to apply what they do know and can never apply what they don't know. It's like the person who wants to learn how to multiply and divide before they know how to add and subtract. They haven't learned some of the basic principles of math, and they're wanting to kind of, you know, do some advanced things. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 14 says, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. Now, this this proposes a, a challenge to me, and I hope many of you, because how, how many of us have ever had that frustration that when we're witnessing to somebody, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a close friend, maybe it's a spouse, we're witnessing to them, and they can't just, they, they can't grasp some of the things that just seem so black and white to us. They can't understand some of the things that, that they just are in my mind. 
And sometimes that's because there is a, there's an understanding that comes with God's Spirit living in us. But get this, we can only tune into God by knowing His Word. So is our church strong? How, how do you tell? Is our heart strong? Is our love for one another deep? Is our understanding of God's Word solid? Here's the thing, when we grow as individual believers in each of these areas, the church grows. Boy, didn't it just sound like the preacher kind of passed the buck, didn't he? As believers grow in the Lord, the church grows. As we have a better understanding of these things, the church grows stronger. As we grow stronger, the church grows stronger. Paul wanted the Colossian church to be able to stand up against the, the false teachings and, that were beginning to creep into the church. And I'm sure he wants the same for the church today. The problem is, is there's so many more false teachings in today's world. The further we've gotten away from, from, from Jesus walking on this earth, the, the further we've gotten away from, from Paul pinning the, the words to the, church and, uh, to the Colossian church, the further we've been removed, the more false doctrine that's been able to come out of, uh, of what he originally said. So I'm sure that God wants the same for the church today. He wants us to be able to stand up to false doctrine. And as each of us grows with a stronger heart and a stronger love for one another and a stronger understanding of God's word, that, that church can grow stronger to withstand those things. I, I mentioned before that at camp this past week, we were learning from the, from the book of James. We were learning some of the things that, that we talked about here a few months ago when we were, a couple months ago when we were, when we were going through the book of James. And, and, and what we found and what we, what we were talking about at camp this past week is the strength that we have is found in, James would tell us, in, in wisdom. It's found in our, in our active faith, putting our faith into action. It's found in taming our tongues. And it's found in, in becoming humble. And I just wonder if we combine the things that, that James says about strength with the things that Paul was telling the Colossian church about strength. What a fortress the body of Christ would be. Jesus told Peter that the church, the body of Christ, with that kind of right foundation, even the gates of hell would not shake. Let's pray. Father, we, we pray that our strength is found in you. And Father, we pray that as we as we grow individually, that's, that's transferred to the, to the strength of the church. And Father, we don't want a strength that is one where we boast, that we're able to flex in front of our community. Father, we pray that through humility, we're able to show the same love to a community around us that we are encouraged to show to each other. The same love that we enjoy being encouraged by others in the church. So Father, help that be our our call to our world around us, that, that we can share the love of Christ with them. And Father, that may come through coming alongside them. It also may come through sharing a better understanding of your word. But Father, most of all, we pray that the bride of Christ is seen in a world around us. Father, is not something to be embarrassed of, not something to be ridiculed, not something to be uh, fingers pointed out and, and being shown hypocritical. But, Father, that is a place where love abounds, where truth is proclaimed, and where souls are saved. 
Father, we pray for that one here this morning that may be looking for that kind of salvation. Father, they are, they are, they've been searching and they're looking for a, a, a point in time where they, they call on the name of Jesus to be their Lord and Savior, where they repent from their past. Father, where their sins are forgiven and they are reconciled back to you and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Father, may that Holy Spirit be their encouragement from now through eternity. Father, we look forward to those that have already made that profession in Christ. They already are immersed believers in Jesus Christ to come alongside and be a part of this local body to serve you, to love you, to love others, and to serve a community around us. Father, we pray for them to, to come to us as well. Father, we pray that we would receive with open arms any that are searching, any that are looking for direction, any that need help. Father, may we be found doing your business here on earth. God, we love you and we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Will you stand with me as we have this song of invitation? And if one of those decisions that I just prayed about is what's on your heart, we would love for you to come during this decision time.